is Jade Robran. It's six minutes past two o'clock. Now, Australia, well, we've listed the koala as an endangered species across most of the East Coast after a huge decline in numbers. But South Australia is playing a big part in fixing the problem. We're joined by... Professor Chris Daniels is the chair of the Board of Koala Life and also Lysian Lone, Director of Conservation and Wildlife at the Department of Environment and Water. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jay. Well, let's firstly find out about the... Uh, before we talk about how awesome South Australia is in fixing this problem, let's go back to the beginning and find out why is the koala on that endangered species list? Well, nearly. Uh, well, yes, it's classified now as endangered along the the eastern seaboard. So the northern type of koala, which is a smaller light grey animal that lives in the forests of New South Wales and Queensland, mm-hmm. has been classified as endangered because of habitat removal, because of um, encroachment into their area through urban development and agricultural development. And in particular, because they have two types of infectious disease one is chlamydia which you may have heard about the other one's a retrovirus which is an an immune deficiency virus that uh reduces their ability to fight infections like chlamydia oh so the poor poor little characters up along uh, in new south wales and queensland um are seeing a reduction in their life expectancy and in particular in their reproductive potential so their numbers are dropping dramatically and so it's it's a distinct possibility that the major base for koalas within the next few years, will be in South Australia and Victoria. That is quite unbelievable, isn't it? It's our, one of our native animals and you, you take it for granted, really. You think that, oh, you know, the kangaroo, platypus and koala, they'll be there forever. Oh, that's absolutely right, Jade. And look, um, people can't believe the fact that we've got koalas in our streets, in our parks, um, sort of wandering around everywhere. There's you know, not a great deal of difficulty for any Adelaidean to see a koala, mm. yet many people never, ever get to see them now in New South Wales or Queensland. So we've got a responsibility to do something to save this iconic species. And there's a lot we can do because we've got koalas. And Chris, did this come as a surprise or has this been on a decline for quite some time? Yeah, it, it's been on a decline for at least 20 years in the eastern states. Okay. Um, and here in Victoria and South Australia, they've actually been on the increase. So we've had to deal with other challenges. So bring in South Australia and uh, how many koalas have been transported here? So we at uh, Cleland Wildlife Park and through Koala Life rescued a number of really important koalas from Kangaroo Island during the bushfires. Um, As you're probably aware, Mm. there were up to 50,000 koalas on Kangaroo Island in 2019 and about 85% of those or a bit over 45,000 koalas were killed. So that population became incredibly important. And it's especially important because the koalas there don't have chlamydia and have a very low incidence of this retrovirus, this immune deficiency retrovirus. So we moved 28 across in 2019 to Cleveland to keep them as a sanctuary population. But that group, because they're rather inbred, um, are susceptible to a genetic disease called oxalate nephrosis, which is one that affects the kidneys of koalas. So if we could get some Victorian koalas from another group to breed with them, we can breed this dis- this disease out and then have a really fantastic, robust, resilient group of koalas that could help save the species into the future. And so we were able to work very closely with the Victorian government 
um, and with a range of partners there interstate and overseas to eventually move four sub-adult males to Cleveland just in December of last year. You've been a zoologist for over 40 years. Have you, In your time, have you ever seen a threat to one of our native animals like this before? Well, there are quite a number of our species, unfortunately, are in, in great threat. And Australia has the worst extinction rate for mammals of any country in the world. So we've got a lot to, to answer for and a lot to repair. But there's a lot of good we can do. There's a lot of things that we can do to recover populations. And this um, mixing around of the genes to get the strongest possible animals is called genetic rescue. And that's something we're trying here to really improve the, the resilience and the capability of southern koala populations so that they might one day even be returned to areas in Australia where they disappear. Wouldn't that be fantastic? Lysian, we'll go to you now. Where exactly have the koalas come from and what, what was the transfer process like? So the koalas have come from the Streslecki Ranges, which is in Gippsland, Victoria, so probably another 100 kilometres further east from Melbourne. And it's a particularly special area because the koalas that are there have got a high genetic diversity. So we think that they're going to be much more resistant to things like the oxalate mesquerosis, which Chris was talking about mm-hmm. earlier. And then in terms of transport, you know, this is a bit of an unusual undertaking. So there was quite a bit of um, back and forth between us and the Victorians. So we had to go through the process of applying for a permit, reassuring them that we had the appropriate expertise, we had a good reason for taking the koalas from the wild, and also that we could manage the animal welfare. Um, so the transfer process involved uh, quite a bit of logistics, really, to make sure that we were looking after the koalas and keeping them in the best um possible health for the whole transfer process. So did the Victorians put up a fight, even though here you are trying to save koala's civilization as we know it? <laughs> no, not a fight, but they just wanted to make sure, of course, if you're taking an animal from the wild, that you're doing it appropriately and for a good purpose and things like that. So jumping through the hoops, I guess, to make sure that it was all above board and that we had the right systems and processes in place to, to um, manage it well so that they would, um, yeah, not suffer any consequences from it. Fair enough. And how are they settling in? Uh, really well. So, um, you know, koalas can sometimes be a bit fussy about what they eat. So uh, Cleveland and uh, koala life have worked very well to make sure that they um, have what's called... Uh, poo smoothies and Chris can probably talk about this more but you know that's really getting them adapted to the species of gum that they have here which even if they're the same species can be a little bit different in their sort of chemical makeup in different places so getting them adjusted to the food and to their new surroundings and all four are doing really well which is great. Did you say eucalyptus smoothie? Yes. Oh, how good's that? A green smoothie every morning. They're very health conscious. Chris, what's in that other than uh, well, eucalyptus, yes, of course? Um, not quite, though. No, I think oh. this is kind of dropped me into it because it isn't actually eucalyptus. It's actually poo from other koalas. Oh, beautiful. One of, one of the big, it's actually, we call it a poo smoothie um, because one of the big challenges we have with koalas is that they have very specific um, gut bacteria. Um, which digest very specific types of eucalypt. So koalas only eat very few types, and their gut really is attuned to what they're eating at their site, at their home. 
So when you move koalas from one spot to another and then start feeding them different types of gum, they can get what's effectively the same as barley belly and upset tummies and then they can lose condition and really struggle. So the way you solve that is that you collect fresh poo from koalas at Clearland that have been eating the the gum that um, Clearland has. Mm-hmm. You collect that poo, you mix it all up and you make a, a smooth paste. And then when the koalas had just come directly over from Victoria, we uh, we gave them a dose of that, a syringe through their mouth so they swallow it and eat it. They oh. don't like it very much. I was going to say, it, did that go down like a spoonful of sugar? <laughs> it went down very badly with a lot of complaining. <laughs> but, of course, they get the the right bacteria. Then Then we can start them on the local gum that we have here and it worked incredibly well. There was no signs of upset stomachs at all. So, yes, it's a bit of a challenge and it's a bit messy, but it works really, really well. Gee, I am so glad I asked that question. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah. (laughs) Let's take a really short break and we'll find out more about these cute and cuddly koalas very soon. 143,000 small businesses deserve certainty and they need a government that engages and listens on all relevant issues. Most of all, small business deserves a strong representative voice in Parliament. Defend local business. Vote for Colin Shearing and Carol Hassan, Independent Candidates, Legislative Council. Written and spoken by C. Shearing. Authorised by M. Rikers, 155 Fullerton Road, Rose Park, South Australia. So, what you're saying is... I'm not doing it right. No, darling, you do a great job, and I'm very grateful, but sometimes... What? You You can tell... Well, sometimes you skip bits... Do I? You do. But you don't have to hurry. Okay, I'll pay more attention. I can do it myself if you're busy. Really? You'd rather I got someone else. No, mowing the lawn is something we can both enjoy. Stanford Mowers, for the joy of mowing. 590 Main North Road, Jeps Cross. Stanfordmowers.com.au Australia's biggest arts festival at Adelaide Fringe from the 18th of February to the 20th of March. With over 1,000 shows, act now and get your tickets. Supported by principal partner Bank SA. Search Adelaide Fringe today. Power up your Qantas points with Red Energy. Every day for four weeks, Red Energy is giving away 100,000 Qantas points. That's a grand total of 3 million points up for grabs. For a chance to win your share, simply switch your household energy to a Qantas Red Saver plan. Call 131 806 or switch online. See redenergy.com.au forward slash win for full details and Qantas Red Plan fact sheets. Competition ends March 15, 2022. South Australia permit number T22 slash 38. I'm Travis Denham from Again Real Estate. It's often just one special feature that helps spark interest in a home. Outdoor blinds used to create entertaining areas really set a home apart. They add extra appeal to patios and alfresco areas, an investment that adds value for sure. Improve, invest and add value with quality outdoor blinds by Country. Visit countryblinds.com.au for a free measuring quote.
Life is about choices, and there's plenty to choose from at a Barrow Hotel. Take the Excelsior, the Albion, the Birkenhead, or the Sundowner in Wyala, all brimming with choice, especially when it comes to the latest machines in a comfortable, safe environment, with amazing staff to give you the best experience. For the latest in machines and comfort, visit the Excelsior, the Albion Hotel, the Birkenhead Tavern, or the Sundowner in Wyala. You just know it's a Barrow Hotel. Gamble responsibly. Jade Robran on 1395 Adelaide's 5AA. We're talking about koalas because koalas along the east coast have been put on the endangered species list, uh, but South Australia is playing a crucial role in trying to counteract that. We're joined on the line by Professor Chris Daniels, Chair of the Board of Koala Life, and also Lysian Lone, who is the Director of Conservation and Wildlife at the Department of Environment and Water. Thanks so much for joining the program. We will move on from learning about uh, koala smoothies, as delicious as they sound. Uh, I'd love to ask you guys about the um, the breeding program and how it works and what will these koalas end up looking like? Well, they, they should. They look like all beautiful koalas. So the, the koalas in the Strezlecki Ranges are southern koalas, so they're large, robust animals, very similar to the ones that we have here. Okay. The ones in South Australia originally came from the Otway Ranges, so so nearby. But the Streslickies have been isolated for over 100 years and so are genetically very different, which is why they don't seem to have this renal disease with a genetic component that our guys have. So they should look exactly like any other beautiful big southern koala with the big fluffy ears and, and the gorgeous the gorgeous face. <laughs> it's just that their genetics will be carefully selected so that they don't get these diseases that really plague our animals and put uh, whole populations at risk. So how did you go about choosing which koalas were transferred here? I bet you were really, you know, had to be super careful that you didn't introduce the, you know, the, the chlamydia and the retrovirus to, to Cleveland. Yes, that's exactly right. That is that is a real challenge. So we decided um, with lots of consultation with the department experts, Cleveland experts, and working closely together that we'd only collect four sub-adult males. So these are males that haven't mated before, so therefore they could not have picked up the infectious diseases that you get during that process, right. chlamydia and the retrovirus. Uh, you're also not affecting the populations at all in the Victorian Alps because you're taking animals that are too small and the big boys that rule the roost over there usually smack them about and toss them out of their, the area pretty quickly. So they're not part of the reproductive community. We didn't take any females because that's really important. And we had very, very strict uh, rules and regulations from the Victorians. We could only uh, take a maximum of six. We only took four. Um, we could only bring down 16 because you didn't want to be disturbing too many of the population. Um, between seeing one and capturing it could not be longer than 10 minutes. And then within 24 hours, the animals had to be moved to Cleveland. So, and that was all during the, the lockdown. So crossing the border was, was a very difficult process. So yeah, we, we had to obey very strict rules, but by getting four sub-adult males, we will then put them to the females we rescued from Kangaroo Island a couple of years ago which don't have chlamydia because they were from Kangaroo Island um, or retrovirus. And so that's how we'll get 
super koalas will get these magnificent offspring with no diseases. So we know how the love story with Wang Wang and Funi has played out like pretty dismally. <laughs> <laughs> what are the chances of these guys? Uh, very, very high. I mean, Cleland's an incredible organisation. It's been breeding koalas for well over 50 years. Um, it's got a population of about 80 koalas up there. Um, it has really the world experts in koala breeding and has always managed to breed at least 10 or, or 12 babies um, already. So um, they're very good at making sure the conditions are perfect. And when they are perfect for koalas, koalas do kind of go for it, as <laughs> many of your listeners will have heard in summer nights. I won't even ask you. I was going to say, so what does that sound like if I wouldn't do that to you, Chris? Uh, it, it's not good. Not, not good. Not good. <laughs> Is it true that the project uh, has some famous supporters, Prince Albert? Yes, we got a lot of great interest in the risks and challenges for koalas after the bushfire. Uh -huh. um, and in fact, Prince Albert of Monaco runs a very large foundation supporting environment and wildlife. And so he contacted the department offering support. So we have a three-year ongoing um, research program with him. Uh, we have very, very fantastic support from the Marquis of Bath, uh, who runs the Longleat Safari Park. Um, and he, in fact, has just read at Southern Koalas that Cleland and the department provided for him in 2018. So he's been a really important um, player. And what they show is the international appeal for koalas. And people want to see and hear good news about the recovery of this iconic species all around the world. So, yeah, we have lots and lots of interest, appreciation and support from people from the US, from Europe, from everywhere, really. So the first baby born, you'll have to call him Albert. <laughs> if it's a boy. If yeah, it's a boy. Yeah. <laughs> or Alberta. Um, how did the 2020 bushfires, uh, you know, what effect did that have on our koala population? Well, that had um, quite a big effect on the kangaroo island population, but mm. the population in the Mount Lofty ranges was less affected. On Kangaroo Island, before the fires, we were estimating there were nearly 50,000 koalas, and then following the fires, probably less than 10,000, so it did have a significant impact. Um, the Mount Lofty ranges, even though we had a few fires in the ranges, um, it didn't. It wasn't as extensive, and so it didn't really affect the population there. So, and even though it reduced them a lot on Kangaroo Island, um, there is still quite a lot of koalas for the for the native vegetation that was left. Goodness me! And the ones that were um, or still are at Cleland, will they be released back into the wild at some point, or are they quite happy where they are? They're pretty much well, quite happy where they are, but you know it's um, it's part of the longer term thinking, I guess, or considerations mm. that there might be some options around that in the future. Chris, you're yes, going to say gonna, something. We, well, I was just going to say yes, and I completely agree with with Lysian. So it's going to be very interesting to see um, what the offspring look like and whether this works because it's never been tried before. So are we able to have a really successful population? And then, depending on what happens elsewhere in Victoria, New South Wales, Queensland, as well as on Kangaroo Island, can groups of these be allocated to sanctuaries elsewhere mm. so that we get to preserve really important disease-free animals in case the worst happens elsewhere? And that's, that's really the aim. Koalas do settle in incredibly well in, into captivity as long as they're outside, and they're in a really good forest environment, as they are in Cleland. Um, they're, they're an incredibly good animal to work with once you've got them settled.
Thank you guys very much for joining the program and good luck with everything. That is Professor Chris Daniels of Chair of the Board of Koala Life and also Lysian Lone, Director of the Conservation Wildlife at the Department of Environment and Water. We are going to take a short break. Coming up afterwards, we're going to be talking